Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Joyful souls and everybody else and all the dads who came out to the father-daughter dance last night. That was fun. How many dads were there? A few of you in here. How many dads had fun? Yep, I did. So I got to do two dances this weekend. It was the blizzard blast with my beautiful daughter, Olivia, who's going to be my assistant later. And then uh, the father-daughter dance last night. And uh, the girls are going home. They're like, we're so exhausted. We danced so much. What they didn't realize is they rotated through every fourth girl. Dad didn't get a rest. And I know all these dances. Because why? Because I had training this week. They, the, the school for the Blizzard Blast all, gym class, all the kids learn this for months, all these dances, right? Well, then they invite the parents in, and I had dance lessons this week. So Friday night I had a dance, and, and then I come in Saturday night looking like a dance expert. <laughs> right, guys? Like, they're like, how's he know this? I was like, yeah, I had dance lessons. So just this week. So it made me look like a superstar. Maybe, maybe we'll do one later. What do you think, Olivia? Yeah. yeah, we'll do a swing later. All right. So anyway, let me recap. We're getting into a message here that I've got to abbreviate just a little bit because of the sake of time today. But, but here's the deal. We've been in this generational movement, this, this, this series called Legacy. You know, make your mark, leave a legacy. If you've just been here just this week, there's some targets that are out on the, the welcome desk on your right side as you leave, as well as some cards. That first week, we started about really hitting our targets. There's things that, that we could do, there's things we should do, and then there's things that we're called to do. As a person, at you as a believer, you as a household, there's things that you could do, there's things you should do. You should feed the hungry. You should help meet people's needs when you have excess. But then there's things that we're called to do. What is your anointing? What is your purpose? What is your legacy? What is your mission? So those big targets were to write down your family mission statement, your family mission. And then the cards were, were personal. What are your 20 dreams for 2020? What are your 20 dreams, your legacy dreams for the next 20 years? We need to move beyond thinking about this year and think about 100 years. We need to move beyond thinking about my life and think about a generation. Listen, I, I want to, uh, Nicole and I have this conviction to pour out the rest of our life leaving a legacy. I get to live a legacy so that I can leave a legacy. All right? Dreams are, are in the future, but legacy is left for the future. These are the things we've been pressing into the last couple weeks, and you can catch it all on YouTube, Vimeo, podcast, all that stuff. But here's the deal. We are passionate. About a year and a half ago, I had, had this encounter with the Lord to move from being a son to being a father. And we want to spend the rest, about the next nine years now, pouring out to being a father of this house, a father to a generation, a father and mother to a movement, so that way we can leave it in good hands. And there's been a stewardship and, and, a, and a movement up to that point. So when we drop this mic, when we, when we drop these positions here at even Upper Room, that there is a son, a daughter, there's a generation, there's a movement ready to steward and move it even more forward. So that way, I can just be a grandpa. How many, how many grandma and grandpas do we have in here? A few. Isn't it fun? I've heard that's the best. Like, get them all sugared up, send them home, right? You get to be the fun. 
I know this about my, my mother-in-law and even like my, my, my dad and Patty's house, like their food's always better. No matter what, it could be the same can of green beans, same brand. You open up that can at your house, like, oh, grandma's is better. Like, what? So we want to just pour out well. So week two, we kind of went into this thing of a generational movement, and we talked about this being generational synergy, an arrow. And we've, we've really been focusing on Isaiah 49.2. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. We've been talking about an arrow and hitting targets and, and bow and arrows and different things. And this, that second week, really represented a, a generational convergence, a generational movement, a generational synergy. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, so you have the fathers and mothers that are actually guiding a generation to hit their target, to make their mark. Oftentimes it's the tip. It might be the younger generation getting all the attention or, 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 or thinking that they're the most important. But without these, these, these feathers or what's on the end here, if an arrow left a bow, it would actually just do that. It would have no movement. It would have no guidance. And our role in a generational movement is to put the young generation out on the forefront to hit targets, but use a mature, experienced generation to guide them. That was week two, and then we talked about the, the generations of bows. Right, these are my two bows here, and this is a, a very um, technologically advanced young generation bow. This is the iPhone 11, all right? This is, this is I still now, I'm at the point in age, at, at almost 40, I need a young person to teach me what all these apps do, and, and wait, oh, wow, that camera can do that? I'm at this point now, but the young generation has this value. They hit the target differently. They look differently. They act differently. They sound differently, but they have value. Listen, we, we're about 80% millennial and under at Upper Room here, and we have a generation who's hungry for a move of God. We have a generation who's hungry for Holy Spirit. We have a generation that's rising up, that's even coming here. And in our culture, believe it or not, what you're hearing on media, we have a generation who's hungry for a tangible encounter with Jesus. We're hungry. They have a, a generation hungry for worship, hungry for righteousness and purity. And as much as the, that culture and media wants to throw them away and, and word curse them and call them disloyal and no work ethic, we have a generation that's amazing, that has value, and that can add value to an experienced generation. At the same time, we, we have this traditional bow, and, and this bow is, 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 is the older or the mature or experienced generation. And let me just tell you, they both hit a mark. They both hit a target. Although they're different, they still go. Now, here's the deal. This adds experience and wisdom and counsel and encouragement. And sometimes they call out dirt when it needs to be called out to sharpen that arrow to be launched. They guide. They pour into. They coach. Listen, the, I'll save that. That was week two. <laughs> My intros tend to be long, just recapping. Last week, we talked about this thing that's really about the arrow in the spirit where don't give up, don't lose heart. And it's talking about when the king came to Elijah, and he says, open the window, send an arrow out. And he says, strike the ground. And as many times as you strike the ground, you'll, you'll win Syria. And all of a sudden, he strikes it three times. And then all of a sudden, the prophet Elijah says, now, why did you stop at three? Why didn't you strike at five? Why didn't you strike at six? If you had struck the ground six times, you would win the battle of Syria six times. But now it's only going to be three. 
We talked about then dipping into the Jordan seven times and the king uh, was, was healed of, of leprosy. We talked about Joshua marching around Jericho seven times. Seven means completion. Seven means perfection. If they had stopped at six, they may have fallen short of their destiny and their calling. Sometimes we face opposition. We face things that are challenging. It's the tension. Listen, at times, it's the hardest part of this whole process is being pulled back for the tension. But that's where we're refined. That's where, that's where character is built. That's where faith is built. That's where trust in the Lord and dependency. Listen, those are the valleys where the nutrients grow and the streams flow. It's not easy to get there. It's not easy to get out. But while you're there, there's this character. There's this perseverance. There's this pursuit that's built so that you can be launched. At times it feels like we're going backwards, we're hitting walls, we're, we're running into things, there's stumbling blocks, there's these blocks, right? But at the same time, without that tension and being pulled back, we can't go forward. Today, where focus is to go. I just want to kind of finish the series today. I think we're going to continue it quite a bit. But the official series today is, is, is to go, so how? And I'm going to talk about being sons of blessings to going to sons of inheritance, and let me just tell you, it takes fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. So let's just, let's just start in uh, Malachi 4, 5, and 6 in Luke 1. Basically, what's saying is the last verses of the Old Testament are talking about, listen, the prophet Elijah is coming, has come to you, and he will turn hearts of the fathers to the children. He's turning hearts of the children to the fathers. Again, it's said again in, in Luke 1, verse 17, it's talking about, listen, John the Baptist is, is come. He's coming, and, and just like Elijah, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the unrighteous to the fathers. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, there's something that's happening. The prophet is, is doing something. There's a generational merger for unity. They're coming together. There's unrighteous and righteous. There's inexperienced and experienced. There's immature and mature. There's parents and children that are turning their hearts together to be unified for a kingdom movement. The Bible says that the, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. There's something that's happening in this convergence, especially at Upper Room here, especially in, in our stream, our tribe, where there is a generational convergence of coming together to honor and value one another to advance the kingdom forward and to hit your targets, to hit your marks, and to guide, encourage, champion one another in the process. Isaiah 40, 29-31 basically says this. I'm fast-forwarding through some of this, but it's talking about even the, the youth grow weary. And then we go to Psalms 103, 5, and he says he'll renew our youth like an eagle. Listen, it's this whole principle where we need each other. Whether you're a new believer or a mature believer, whether you're young or old. Now, now in the spirit realm, in the, in the, in the, in the kingdom realm... An 80-year-old could be a new believer who might need counsel from a mature believer who's 40. It's not always age, but there, there has to be this merger to where, where what's happening is even the youth grow weary, and he'll renew our youth like an eagle. So meaning we at times, one another, will get tired. We'll get weak. We'll be tempted. We'll be challenged, and we'll want to give up putting that arrow down at just three times or four times or five times when we were meant to go six. That's when we encourage one another. How many, how many animal lovers do we have here? Dog lovers. There's this principle where a dog, as they begin to age, if you bring a puppy in the mix, it creates this fun experience. Right, everybody? 
But what happens is as this dog ages, a puppy comes in and brings youth to that old one. But at the same time, the old one begins to mentor the young one. And all of a sudden, you'll notice potty training and those things are expedited astronomically because of, of the guidance. Right now, we have, a, we have chickens. We have, and they're multiplying. Our kids, I've told you before, but our kids are afraid of a couple hens who are in there who are a little aggressive on their eggs. So they, they don't check all the eggs and all the bins, and they won't move the hens off. And so we just, we keep finding chicks that are alive. And I'll just be honest, we have like 14 silky chickens. I, 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 like, we're good. Like, I don't need any more. So this week, uh, they found four, six more, four were alive. If you don't get them within a couple hours, the, the rooster or whatever takes care of them. So, so we have four new chicks, and I had just put away uh, the stuff, had just gotten all the feeding stuff out of there, and the lamp was turned off and all this stuff, right? Well, a couple months ago, the same thing happened, and we had one. And then like two weeks later, we had a second one. Now they're different ages. Well, I was in there cleaning out the chicken coop, being a good dad. That's usually their role. I was like, you know what? I'll do it for them. They're sleeping in today. So I was cleaning out the chicken coop and honestly just serving my kids under the Lord. I remember Jay Kent, Rick Pino was asked once, how do you worship? How do you get alone time with God? He said, he said I worship by changing diapers and taking out the trash. <laughs> it's not always on a Tuesday night or a Sunday morning. We get to worship unto the Lord no matter what we're doing. So I'm in there worshiping and I see this, this they're actually kind of cute. They're silkies. They got like little fuzzball heads and like fur, or whatever, on their feet and stuff. They're kind of cute. So it's one that's a little bit bigger. It's white, and the other one's gray. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm watching, and as I get closer to it, the bigger one moves the little one into the corner and stands in front of it. The rooster comes in. One of the roosters comes in, and all of a sudden, I see it do the same thing. This older one is looking out for the younger one and protecting it. Anytime you go in there, they're huddled together. Listen, that's a generational convergence and movement that the older are looking out for the younger and the younger submitting to the protection and, and headship and leadership of the older. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So, so we go to this, this story and these stories in the Bible of what I call sons of blessing to sons of inheritance. Come on up here, beautiful. By the way, do you like our sweatshirts? We started a clothing line. It's called Legacy Apparel or clothing or something like that. So pretty soon you'll be able to get your own. But right now we're working on copyrights. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, could I copyright the word legacy? No. So this is my beautiful daughter. Would you like to, would you like to do the swing? May I have this dance? Is she amazing? Okay. Yeah, okay you, you do this. There we go. Teaching them the ways of the old. So, all right, come on out here. This is my beautiful daughter, Olivia. Okay? Now, sons of blessing to sons of inheritance. We, 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 I like to do this illustration of like this you, this mountain to mountain, glory to glory, from upgrade to upgrade, right? Many of us in our culture especially, especially some of the young, may want to, all of us actually, would want to go from here to here, from history to destiny, just straight across. Now, now here, here's the thing with the Lord. It's not always that easy. It's not always that boring, let's say. 
There is adventure when we come through here, right? Now, sometimes we run into some head knowledge, right? And we we get in there like, oh, it's too hard. I just want to give up. I don't want to go the fourth time or the fifth time. Now, Now, listen, we are meant to go from glory to glory, but sometimes it doesn't look like straight across. Listen, this is the valley. No, really, but. This is the valley that's represented that, that sometimes it's, it's this and it's circles and it's like, whoa, I just went back. Oh, okay, we're going back on right track now. There's this thing to where the Bible in Philippians 3.10 says, it's that I may know him. And it says that I may know the power of his resurrection. And then it says, and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. We want the resurrection, but it's the suffering that scares us. And let me just tell you, as a believer, as a son of God, as, 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 as a Christian, like, it, we think it should be easy. Like, where's the easy button? Sometimes there isn't an easy button. It's just something called grace, Amen. something called mercy. There's something that's called faith and trust. And let me just tell you, in this realm here, that's where that's built. If we didn't go through this and the valleys and the trials and the hardships and and the circumstances, we wouldn't be able to steward what the Lord has in store for us because we just went straight across. James 1, 2, and then into verse all the way through verse 8, it's talking about count all joy the trials you go through. And then it goes in to say that it will build perseverance. It will build character. It will build you. It's, it's that loop-de-loos and the, and the adventures and those roadblocks and those, those hardships that come that actually build up the character, build up the foundation, build up the spiritual uh, disciplines that can actually withhold the crown. Let me go through a few examples. First, you know, we have Joseph. Joseph was, was actually a son of blessing when the coat of many colors was put on him. It was a sign. You are the chosen son. All right? His, his dad, Jacob, puts that coat on him. But then, you know, so you think, okay, he should just go to Pharaoh. He should rule and reign in the kingdom. No, that isn't what happens. His own brother's selling to slavery. Throw him in a pit. He, he, he ends up getting some favor, goes to prison, falsely accused. There's all these loop-de-loos and roadblocks and challenges and trials. But guess what? Eventually, he made it from his history, from a son of blessing, to the pit, to the palace, to the prison, to son of inheritance, where he was ruling and reigning in the kingdom and actually got to, got to fill the need of his family and his brothers and get it all back with inheritance. The same thing with Elisha. We have Elisha who's out as a young man plowing a field. And Elijah comes up to him, puts a cloak on him, signifying, symbolizing he's a son of blessing. He's called. He's got an anointing. And then, then he starts to follow him around. Now, now, I want you to keep in mind, we'll get back to this, but the pursuit of Elijah. And, and here's what Elijah says. What do you want from me? And he says, Elisha says, I want the double portion. I want the mantle, but I want it twofold. I want your anointing, but I want it twice as hard. So here's the thing. All of a sudden, it's this journey. Now, now here's what he says. Okay, you can have it, but don't take your eyes off of me. If you miss it when I'm taken up in a chariot of fire, you won't get it. Now, we think of that as easy. The journey that they embarked on was not easy to never leave his side and never take his eyes off of him. Every city they went to, he was offered a position of leadership to be the community pastor. But let me just tell you what, those no's were building a double portion, yes. We sometimes want to fall short. (laughs) We sometimes want to fall short and just take an early yes. 
But let me just tell you, those no's sometimes, those blockades, those circumstances, those trials are building an interest for a better yes. So all of a sudden, he's taken up in a chariot of fire, and, and then the mantle drops, and he grabs it. Another one's David. They come to Jesse's house, and, and they notice somebody's missing at the table. And all of a sudden, David's out tending to the, to the sheep. It's like cleaning the chicken coop, right? It's the lowliest job of the family. No one wants to do it. It's messy. It's dirty. And it's insignificant. Somebody's missing. They call him in. You're going to be the next king, son of blessing. But it wasn't just straight from, from here to here. It wasn't straight from Bethlehem to Zion. All of a sudden, you, you had these, these things where Bethlehem, he's stewarding the natural. He's learning to play a harp, care for his dad, kill the lion, kill the bear. All of a sudden, Goliath comes. Then there's a doolum, a time of a cave where, where he gathers these men around him. And then there's Hebron, which those men became his mighty men in covenant, going from convenience and inconvenience to covenant. But then it wasn't until later that he could rule and reign in Zion. Why? Because he stewarded this, and much, much, with, look, if you do good with little, much is given. It was this, the, the slingshot that he learned to wear the crown. It was the harp where he learned to worship, to steady the crown. Listen, there is a fathering movement where he is turning the hearts of the, the, the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the father. There's something that's happening, but we just can't go always from glory to glory. We do. It just looks different. It looks hard sometimes. It looks emotional sometimes. And just when we want to give up, just when we're held in that tension, guess what? Now it's time to be released. I'm good with you. Love you. Here's what happened in each of those stories. The last one's Jesus. Jesus was told and prophesied over, and, and Mary was told by the angel that he was the son of blessing. And then all of a sudden, he dies on the cross for you and me. He dies for our sins. He who knew no sin took on our sin. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And here's what happens. All of a sudden, sudden there was death and resurrection. And at the resurrection, he was one and always was one with the Father, but he became a son of inheritance. Son of blessing to son of inheritance, but all of them took a father. It all took a father to, to, to note and to call out what the son of blessing was and then to call forth to the son of inheritance. Let me just, let me just share a few things here. Matthew 28. Before I go there, there's some things that sometimes get in a way in a fathering movement. And, and, and let me just tell you, sometimes there's, there's agendas, sometimes there's manipulation, sometimes there's control, and we call it accountability. The difference between a father and a son is a father gives it all away. Listen, fathers and mothers build ceilings, and sons and daughters build floors. And what you're doing is you're making your ceiling higher and further and better so that your sons and daughters, and let, let me just remind you, you don't have to have natural children to have sons and daughters as much as some people have natural children and aren't mothers and fathers. This is a movement. This is a generational convergence to advance the kingdom, to hit our targets, and to glorify the Lord and lead people to his good nature and salvation and their destinies. Let me, let me carry on here. So, so we get to the story with David, right? He, too, had a father, and guess who it was? It was Saul. 
We know the story of Saul wanting to kill David, but we forget in 1 Samuel around the 17th and 18th chapter where he's offering his armor to him. He's saying, okay, take it. And he gives him permission to go after Goliath. Now, now David's begging, let me, at the, let me at the giant. Come on, let me at this guy. Let me at him. I can get it, right? You can just like picture a movie in this, right? Let me at him. Let him at him. Put me in, coach. Put me in. Saul's like, yeah, gives him his armor. And it wasn't until it was, uh, let me see here. So off right now. It's 1 Samuel 18 and 6 through 9. All of a sudden, he, makes him, he kills Goliath, makes him commander of all the armies, right? And then they start, the people start chanting to 1,000 Saul puts to death, to 10,000 David. And then it says this key thing. For the rest of the days, Saul's heart was turned to jealousy and he kept an eye on David. A father went from being a father to being jealous, and it changed history. It changed everything. David went from being commander to running for his life. That's the difference between what a father can set up in success. Now, David learned from that, though. What did David do for the rest of his life when he met opposition and the Lord told him he wasn't going to rebuild the tabernacle? He worked the rest of his days to set up Solomon in the next generation to have full success at rebuilding the tabernacle. That's the difference between fathering and mothering and jealousy or strife or agendas and manipulation. So now how? That was a lot, wasn't it? That's good stuff. I love this stuff. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, says this. It says, therefore, go make disciples. Now, notice, it doesn't say make converts. Don't go lead as many people as you possibly can to repeat after me prayer. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is, is somebody who's been transformed in his very nature and also makes disciples. In my opinion, you're not a disciple until you've made disciples. It's kind of like you're not a leader unless you have followers, and I'm not talking about Instagram. You can have a thousand followers and no influence. They just like the Insta version of you. How many of you have been in a family or have a family? Anybody? Oh, good. 50% of you raise your hand. Good, good. Good participation today. You're in that family picture, right? Now, now, Christmas Eve, we come here, and like the girls are usually kind of a hot mess by the time we get done with the candlelight service, and we're trying to grab a beautiful family picture in front of the tree, and usually at least one of them, typically the youngest, right? So, so we're like, okay, all right, get here, get here. We get them all in. Okay, and this is what we all look like. I'm like, okay, smile. That's Instagram, right? You get the best version with the best filter. Disciples are people who are making disciples. Disciples are truly transformed from the inside out. Like we have all these verses in the Bible that talk about the tomb looks great on the outside, but the inside it's rotten. The cup looks polished on the outside, but the inside it's all broken and messy. So, so it says, therefore, go make disciples where? All nations. What's nations look like to you? Is it your industry? Is it your home? Is it the hospital you work in? The school you teach at? Is it the grocery store you're going into tomorrow? Is it the restaurant you're eating at in about 35 minutes? What's all nations? So it's saying go make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this, and teaching them. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of age. 
Here's the beautiful thing is, I know the Bible says that there's, there's many teachers and instructors among you, but not many fathers. In this context, it's not referencing the same teacher. It's saying, go, make disciples in all nations, and father and mother them. Pour out my spirit. Get filled up so that you can leak out. Listen, I can't give something I don't have. The how is to love the person in front of you. The how is to steward the influence and the favor that God's given you and placed you in. For Matt, it looks like a fire department in the government mountain. For Bruce, it's business and family and these, all these different realms, right? So it's make disciples in all nations. Create an influence that you've been so transformed by God that, that something has impacted you called his spirit. His, his, his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection and the hope, right? We get so impacted and transformed by him that we want to change and, and help and encourage and bring hope and life and salvation to others. This is freely I've received, freely I give. That's the how. We go. If you remember the story last week, before they could cross the Jordan in the next generation, they had to be circumcised. It said they rested there two weeks. Something to take note of. First, when they rest, they were going from rest, two weeks of rest. And while they were resting, it says they reflected on their inheritance. They reflected on the old generation. They reflected on their fathers and grandfathers who were Moses and the ones that couldn't make it into the, the promised land. So when we go, we go honoring our history, honoring those who went before us, honoring the generation above us so that we go from rest Here's a beautiful thing. I get to be a human being and just be still and know he's God and not have to be a human doing. I get to go from rest. I get to, I get to just be me. I get to hit my target. And I get to encourage all of you and sharpen your arrows to, to help God launch you to your targets. That's going, making disciples in all nations. And then I get to be sometimes the back of this arrow where I'm guiding you and instructing you and teaching you spiritual disciplines and the importance of the word of God. The importance of not watering that down and the importance of, of not ignoring sin and lifestyle sin. But we do it in love because the father is a loving father and he's a good friend and he's a kind creator. Like all of a sudden then we get to send and at times, I get to be the tip of the arrow, and I get to be the young generation, and I get to allow my dad to, to pour in and guide me, or at times, Josh, or, or Stephen, or even many of you, you influence me, and you impact me, you touch my heart. So we go from rest. The first six days had day and night. On the seventh, it was continual, because it was always supposed to mean that we go in eternity from rest. Let me continue on here. So the first thing is this. Let me finish this up. The band can come. You're like, wow, this is really good. I'm surprised he's stopping. This is just first closing. Okay? <laughs> Got at least two more in me. Just warming up. Let me hydrate for this next session. Here's the thing. The first thing we have to do is we actually have to pick up the arrow. We actually have to take an arrow out of the quiver. We have to allow the Lord to mold and guide and shape me. He's the potter, we're the clay. But I have to be willing to say, all right, here I am, God. Literally, the verse in the Bible says, here I am, Samuel, send me. I, I have to be willing to say, okay, I may not be perfect. I have flaws. Even at, at David at the table, like, I'm insignificant at times. I'm, I'm nothing without you, Lord. But here I am. 
send me. And then we got to take the bow. And we got to say, all right, Lord, this might hurt a little bit. It might feel like I'm going backwards. There might be some tension in this, but pull me back. I'm ready, Lord. The older, let me read this verse. This is talking to the mature generations. This is a conviction of mine. I've seen thousands of people healed. I've seen cancer dissolve, arms straighten out. I've seen some pretty radical things. But my life song, our life song, is, is a legacy life song to see people released to their destiny after encountering the power, the presence, and the mighty saving power of Jesus Christ. That's legacy. For me, the greatest legacy isn't, isn't you reaching your target for greater influence, greater favor, greater finances, greater whatever. It's literally so that you yourself can impact a generation to come to encounter the goodness and the love of Jesus. Bruce told me a few weeks ago, and we were talking about um, just favor and different things, and he says, you know the majority, like, 90-some percent of millionaires, their purpose isn't to make money. Their purpose is purpose. Their purpose is to touch lives, and they know that this is only a tool to touch those lives or fulfill their purpose or their calling. Money is, is for most millionaires, money is simply the avenue to fulfill their purpose on earth. It's the same thing food. Food, <laughs> food is enjoying it's good. I love good food, right? Love it. Food's intention, though, is to provide energy and nutrients for my body to fuel it. My life song is legacy so that you can be empowered by God to do what you're called to do and empower others and make these disciples. It's, it's, a, it's a starfish effect. My friend Noah gave me a book once called Starfish. Talking about regeneration and growth and multiplication and reproduction and, and all of this to where making disciples actually spreads out and it goes. Listen, the, the, I know I'm on a, just a minute tangent here, but I think it's got a point. There are church splits going on right now about doctrinal issues, theology issues, philosophies. Listen, the early church was never split or divided. It was actually strategically placed. You even had Paul divide and, and split, and it was to reach different regions. It was to reach, you know, Samaria, and it was to reach, you know, all these different areas. It was strategy. It wasn't division or over stupid things. <sighs> Making disciples in all nations is where you have influence so that you can penetrate the love of God wherever you're at. You can inject that like a medicine and then see hope arise, see joy arise, see love arise. And guess what? We'll get to have a bigger family in heaven. That's, that's purpose. Let me get on to finish this generational part. Jeremiah 9.20 says this. Listen, you women, to the words of the Lord. Open your ears to what he has to say. And it says this. Teach your daughters to wail. 
Somebody taught me that really well once I got saved. Teach one another how to lament. It's saying, women, teach the younger. That's what he's saying. Teach the younger. The older women are to teach the younger. I love Patty and some other hearts in here. Like, I want to teach them to bake, and through that, I'm going to disciple. Listen, Steve, Steve had this amazing heart of a father turning to children. He's like, listen, I, I want to lead a Bible study, but I want to teach young people the Word of God. So on Wednesday nights, we have a Bible study because we had a father who has the skill set, the experience, the education, the knowledge, and the heart of a father to teach a generation. Now we have a generation who's hungry for the Word of God. And guess what? Discipleship doesn't just start, stop there. They go to Taco Bell afterwards. So you gather to teach young women how to cook, but in that you're teaching them life skills and you're teaching them how to be good future wives. You're teaching them how to lament and how to wail and how to pray, how to intercede, how to pray in a prayer language. Like, like discipleship is beyond the dinner table, but it's and both. Like I, I prefer coffee and then things gather around that and I bring Bible in and, and life stuff, whereas some might gather on Bible and then they bring relationship and do life through that. Listen, that's all nations. That's discipleship. But it's saying, young, older, teach the younger. And then we go to the younger. And Deuteronomy 32.7 says this. Remember the days of the old. Consider the generations long past. It says, ask your father and he will tell you. Ask the elders. They'll explain to you. Job 8.8 basically says the same thing. Ask the older generations. Now, let me tell you why I get a little emotional on this. I'm a third generation pastor. But my grandpa never got to see me in this realm. I wasn't saved and loving and serving the Lord when my grandpa was still alive. I often get asked the question, or we process these dreaming questions. If you could have lunch with anybody on the planet, past or present, who would it be? If you could ask questions to one person, who would it be, right? It's like, I'd always pick my grandpa. I've interviewed my dad, and, and you saw us do an interview here a couple weeks ago, and I, I have hours of video footage saved of my dad talking about our family history, his heart, heart of the church, you know, these things. But man, grandpa, what was it like? What was it like of 60 years of ministry? What was it like with people waiting on the outside of a small building in Piqua, looking in the windows and doors just to see a glimpse of what Jesus could look like? What was it like, you know? What was it like back in that day? How did you teach the word? How were you effective to that culture? How did you raise up? My grandpa, when I went to his funeral, pastors lined the aisle as his casket came through. 60 pastors first generation pastors that came up under my grandpa. I don't know how many second, third, fourth generation from there. I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands of pastors that have come from my dad and grandpa. You talk about a rich heritage and inheritance. I want to leave a legacy. <laughs> Young, ask. Ask the old. Ask the elders. Let me go back to the stories of the son of blessing to son of inheritance. And let me close this out. Third one, I promise. Third and final. This is ask. Listen, there is something in the power of pursuit. Elisha asked for the double portion. 
You know, it was an ask, and then it was a seeking, there was a pursuit. Now, we don't have to earn God's grace, His love. Nothing separates us from the love of God. We do not have to beg for that. We do not have to strive for that. We do not have to earn for that. But there is something about good leadership, mentorship, coaching, and people pouring into my life, and me submitting. I believe this. David's effectiveness as king came to him submitting to Saul, who wanted to kill him, who was jealous for him, but he was convicted just by taking the hem of his garment and he returned it. I believe that right now you're walking in the fruit of me submitting and honoring my mom and dad when I disagreed with them when I didn't think their leadership was effective, when I was rebellious as a church leader, when I was wanting to leave, when I felt like I knew more than them, I had this conviction from Holy Spirit to say, no, you're going to stay. You're going to raise your family here and you're going to submit to their authority and you're actually going to honor them. Now listen, here's what happened. I wouldn't know that for two years then we journeyed with my mom's cancer and she died. But in those two years, I got to walk in honor and my mom got to finish with her son honoring her versus being opposed to her. Now we, me included, get to now walk in a favor because of honor, submission, humility, (laughs) rebellion that was transitioned into a heart and submission and obedience. My dad would tell you the same. I was... I was the teenage version of church leader. I was the adolescent church leader. Then suddenly, I was like, Lord, this is yours. I, I, you're bigger than me. I trust you. And there's something that happened when I began to just pursue that. And all of my favor, all of, all of Nicole and I's success and, and breakthroughs have come out of submission, obedience, faith, and just trusting God and being sons and daughters. Listen, let me, let me finish with this thought. Sorry, fourth one. Let me finish with this. There's a lot of ships out there. And let me tell you, they'll all sail if you get the right one called sonship. There's leadership, there's discipleship, there's stewardship, there's all these ships, but the best one is sonship where I can submit. Listen, Jesus spent 30 years submitting to the Father, 30 years of identity before three years of ministry. Before he ever saw the first sign, wonder, or miracle, or healing, or dead raising on the earth, Jesus was in alignment for 30 years before he fulfilled his assignment for three There's something about the sons and daughters submitting to the fathers and mothers. There's something about sons and daughters who who get it. Just ask. Just pursue. Stand with me. Genesis 13, 15 says this. This was a promise to all of us. This was a prophetic promise to all of us. It says, I will give you the land. What's your land? What is it? What, what's your land? What, what's your industry? What's your family tree? What's, what's your future marriage? What's the land? What's, what is that? What's your future kids or grandkids or great grandkids? It says, I will give you the land as far as you can see. Now, we also know in Ephesians 3.20, it says he'll do far abundantly more than we can ask, think, imagine, or see or dream. So he says, I'll give you as far as you can see. And then it says this, to you and what? Your descendants. Obed-Edom, house, 
the Ark of the Covenant housed the presence for three months and it says his whole household and future generations were blessed. What if we just host his presence? What if we, we put Jesus number one? We pursue him number one. There is no greater father on this planet than Abba Father. Let me just say this. I, sometimes we can get a little mixed up in this sonship message to put leaders, pastors, spiritual fathers above Abba Father. Let me just be very clear with you. The greatest father and influence over your life ever on this planet should be Jesus, should be God the Father. We can't get that out of alignment. Now here's the deal. All of a sudden, it says, I will give you the land as far as your descendants. So how do we go? We love the one in front of us. We make disciples in everywhere we go. And it's in our going. Go and make disciples. In our going, wherever we go, we make disciples. So what target do I hit? Maybe you're having a hard time. I don't even know what my mission is. I'm not Andrew. He's not my target. What, what's my target? Let me just give you some advice. Until you know, just submit to where you are and allow God to navigate. But here's a couple tips that might help you get there. What excites you? What frustrates you? Or what testimony do you have? Those are kind of the three indicators oftentimes of direction, purpose, calling, passions. Is, is what, what excites you? What do you feel excited for? When you talk about it, when you hear about it, when you see it, when you see that video, what excites you? What frustrates you? What ticks you off? If you see things in your, your school board or your city council or whatever, maybe you're called to run for government. Maybe you're called for that position. Maybe there's things that frustrate you, abortion or whatever those things are, then maybe that's what you're called to. Or what's your story? What have you been delivered from that you could be delivered to? What have you been, like Steve says, saved from to be saved to? That's oftentimes our targets. I don't really know how to end this. Um, I feel like there's been some dreams that have been crushed, dead, uh, some prayers that we've been praying that have maybe just like dissipated so far that we've even forgot about them. Listen, we, we started 21 days of fasting and today's that last day and I give you all permission and encouragement to break the fast today. If you've been on this 21 day journey with us, whatever that looked like for you, there's, there's always breakthrough when we pursue God. There's something about this pursuit, this 21-day pursuit. There's something about a son of blessing pursuing the Father. Like there's something about this. And, and Josh next week is going to follow this up about pursuit of God and only God. And he's the number one relationship on this planet. So I just want to pray for you that if you've been discouraged, if your dreams have been crushed, if you've lost the passion for pursuit... I feel like God's going to reignite that so that you can leave and live a legacy. So just put your hands in your heart and one on your head. That illustration with Olivia, I think oftentimes the thing that gets in the way the most from glory to glory, upgrade to upgrade, mountain to mountain is our head, our, our, our mental knowledge. So God, I just thank you. I thank you for legacy. I thank you for the generational convergence that's happening. I thank you for generational movement. I thank you, God, that you've called us from something to call us to something. I thank you that you call us to all the nations, local, national, and worldwide, God. I thank you that you call us to make disciples, to teach, to pour into a generation, and to receive from a generation. Lord, I thank you that we can honor, we can ask mothers and fathers, and we can, we can be poured into like, like good leaders, mentors, coaches, God. But I also thank you that, that we can pour out, that we can't, we, we, 
we have to move from son and daughter to eventually father and mother to not just instruct and have knowledge but have a heart for mothering and fathering while always staying sons and daughters so Lord, i just pray that you reignite dreams you reignite passion you give strength to the weary you renew youth as eagles lord We all want to go find a spiritual father, a coach, a mentor, a leader to like basically like tell us what to do. No, it's a submission in love. And as that rapport is built, there's a merging of hearts turning towards each other. And then guess what the son and daughter gets to do too? Also call out stuff in the mother and father because we've built a relationship to pour into each other and value one another. 